Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Bases loaded and one out. Oh my Central God! Deep to right field, way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slam. Hello and welcome in everyone to episode one seventy four of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. It is what today is uh, March or April? Sorry, excuse me, April eleventh. 2022 baseball's on the television a beautiful day to talk baseball of course i'm going to discuss more lineup stuff more some noticeable like velocity stuff i'm paying attention to and pitch mix stuff i've noticed kind of have a lot of that going on we're gonna dive right in it's gonna be a rather quick pod because i am rolling solo but before we get going a five-star rating and review is greatly appreciated and don't forget check us out on patreon we're up to like 67 patreons i believe which the support has been unreal it's been amazing every day i get the lineup notes team by team to the to everyone not to mention i've been adding a little bit of extra stuff like a bonus uh, velocity report i'm kind of monitoring velocity and stuff every day and just kind of putting little notes together and putting it on there and that's just a few of the things we do we do bonus write-ups we do bonus content all around so check us out. That's the $3 tier and above. So basically $3, you can get access to all that stuff. Plus we have a discord and all that. So again, patreon.com slash SK playbook. And don't forget that starting today, actually, uh, I put out my first of what's going to be a daily Monday through Friday article on SK playbook as well. So that one's going to be free. It's kind of like a little bit of a tidbit of all the stuff I'm covering, but you get a little tidbit of it every day. Whereas I give a full in-depth version on Patreon. So it's again, it's a little give and take there, but Again, appreciate the support. Now let's jump into some of these lineup trends, playing time situations I'm monitoring. The big one is Joe Adele. I think everyone's talking about it, but it deserves your attention. Joe Madden's already come out and said that Tyler Ward's going to be a starting outfielder when he returns. That kind of already muddies up the situation. Obviously, you have Mike Trout in center, and then you have Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele kind of splitting what's left of the, uh, what's left of the reps there. And that's frustrating because, you know, Adele had the strong spring, but then has come into the season, even without Ward on the team and injured. He's almost been weak side platooning. He's started against one righty, but he's been, he's only started against one lefty. And then the other two righties, he set, he has set. And everyone who's watching him can tell that he's having trouble with the breaking pitches right now. He is like 0 for 9 as we speak with like 7Ks to start the season. All this, let's be honest here. It's all small samples, but we have to react to what we have. And that type, of, that type of swing and miss shouldn't just be ignored blatantly. Uh, so that's worth my mentioning. And Adele's becoming somebody that, like, in a shallower format, he can be cut, I would say. It's the deeper formats where it's like, you might want to hold on tight just to see how it goes. But, man, um, it is definitely frustrating, to say the least, when it comes to Joe Adele. A couple other notable uh, lineup stuff. Again, we're going to kind of fly, fly some, through some of these lineup stuff, uh, no, notable lineup things, and just get... Uh, Again, these pods are going to be quicker because the idea of them is to be a kind of quick hit 
things so people are just aware of what's going on with the trends we have uh the brewers obviously platooning at this point they have andrew mccutcheon is actually a daily player i thought initially he would be a platoon guy because of the strong splits from last year so far in 13 play appearances this year he is hitting 250 so nothing spectacular only striking out 15.4 percent of the time so not lost strikeouts one double a run nothing to write home about but he plays every day Lefty, righty, doesn't matter. He bats fourth against righties. McCutcheon leads off against lefties. And the, the thing I've noticed about this team, though, is Hira is on the short side of a platoon. Tyrone Taylor seems to be on a short side of a platoon. And Mike Brousseau, which we knew was going to be on a short side of a platoon because of his uh, left-handed splits. So we have Brousseau, who platoons with Jace Peterson until Luis Urias gets back, which, again, gets all kind of crazy. Uh, Keston Hira, who's platooning with Telez. Telez on the strong side. And Lorenzo Kane, who I guess they're platooning him just to give him Right. I mean, they're gonna. He had built-in rest coming anyway, so maybe this is their way of doing it. But so far, it's been a Tyler, a Tyrone Taylor and Lorenzo Kane platoon situation going on there. Uh, the rest of that team seems to be anybody not named. You know, Yelich, Renfro, Adames. Those guys are regulars. Colton Wong, even against lefties, he moves down, but he still plays every day. The Orioles, my boy Jorge Mateo, he's playing every day. Sure, he's hanging the bottom of the lineup, but he has some really solid played appearances this year what i'm taking away from that is that not only is he walking more but he's had some called strikeouts which are fine because he's just he's showing a more patient and more seasoned approach at the plate and if mateo can sustain that he already stole a base you're you're getting him for the stolen bases but if he can sustain a more patient approach maybe that 250 batting average is more of a floor than a ceiling so that's why i'm excited here uh there's gonna be ample opportunity for him to get on base and batting low in the lineup no reason he can't run. Mateo's been batting like between seventh and ninth. I think eighth and ninth even. I have to double check my notes. But Mateo's a guy that I am weirdly excited about going back to the preseason or spring training, whatever you want to call it. Ramon Urias has my attention though because he's batting fifth in this lineup and he's moved up real quick. And another reason why he has my attention is because he should gain third base eligibility. I believe he's already had two starts at third base this season. He has. And 10 is what you need in NFBC formats. But you know, two doubles, three hits, and 11 played appearances. He's, you know, extra base hits with the two doubles and all that. That's why I pointed it out. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching, I think, between the five and nine spots. But Austin Hayes has already dipped to seventh the last two games. Ramon Urias, if he hits, he'll stick in the middle of the lineup, which gives him a lot more RBI potential, considering he's going to be hitting behind the big four in Mullins, Mountain Castle, Santander, and Mancini. So, that one caught my attention there. Um, jumping over to the Rocky, Connor Joe's season is on. At first, I was in. I got scared off by Hilliard's usage in spring, but now Connor Joe has pretty much started. I believe started every game, and he's even played first base. He leads off against lefties and moves down against righties. But the key there is he stays in the lineup. Connor Joe has not been subbed out or platoon no matter what or who is pitching. It's kind of a cool thing to see. We love to see it. He has a stolen base, I believe, yesterday. So he's running already. Uh, playing times there, cores is always going to provide a high floor in production. Connor Joe, if you if you were in before, you should be happy to see this. The Rangers, uh, Brad Miller. Brad Miller is actually leading off against righties. We saw the trend leading into the season, and it looks like it's happening. It's uh, it's been it's happening. It's every righty so far, and it, on the season, Brad Miller is crushing the ball. Uh, three sixty four batting average. Uh. OPS over a thousand, like 1.385, I think it is. Um, oh man, he's just crushing it. Two home runs, five RBI, and this is just in 13 play appearances. We know he could be streaky, but if you look at his splits last year, Brad Miller absolutely crushed the ball against righties. So we know the production against righties can be there. Plus, 
he has been actually pinch hitting in games as well. So that alone gives him added play appearances, even though he's not starting. So guys like Nick Solak, who, you know, will platoon against lefties and had himself a decent little game yesterday. He's kind of stuck on the outside looking in as the team sits right now. Uh, players like that. Willie Calhoun's been hitting towards the bottom of the lineup. He's actually out today against the lefty, but he has played every day before. So I think it's more of a rest day maintenance day, but I'm not sure how secure the playing time is for Calhoun. So it's something I'm monitoring. And the last team I'm going to hit on, because again, I don't want to touch on every single team today. I could spend a whole hour just talking about this stuff, but no, you know what? I'll give you two. I will do two more teams because one more team is the Tigers, where I think it's worth mentioning that Akil Badu started off opening day, batting seventh, then batting ninth, and then out of the lineup. Those were the first three games of the season for him. Fourth game of the season, he's batting ninth. So a bottom of the lineup spot for Badu, very much likely. Uh, he's hitless, striking out. It's almost like Adele type of uh, production I mentioned before. It's it's ugly. And unfortunately, he had a strong spring, and Badu, his confidence probably got a little shaken up by this. Austin Meadows was you know, traded for, and he's producing out of the two spot. I thought they were going to push Meadows to the four, leave Badu at the top, and kind of shift everyone down one. Of, of, of course, that's not how it played out. So it's one of those things you have to monitor Badu because if he starts platooning, if he starts, you know, if he's not producing from the bottom of the order, which already gives him less opportunity to produce, Badu become, can become cuttable sooner than later. I'm not cutting him yet. But I mean, again, it's kind of like Adele. If you're in a really shallow format, like a 10 teamer or a 12 teamer or three outfielders, he is replacement level. So uh, outside of that, though, I wouldn't cut him yet. I know it's all reactionary, but these are the things that I feel like we can react to early on and, and get a leg up on the competition where everyone's stashing them or even playing them through these issues. You could be moving on in a shallower format and get a guy that's good. That's producing for you. And the last one we'll talk about, I, I mean, I don't even want to talk about this one. So I'll, I'll, okay, I lied. Two more because Stephen Kwan deserves being discussed. The dude is on base machine and a hit tool and a hit magnet. The guy has legit plate skills and uh, plate discipline. He hasn't shown the ability. I mean, it's very, very uh, early in the season, but the hard hit rate hasn't been there. The barrel skills haven't been there. So it's almost like Brantley and Fletcher type of, you know, just really elite uh, hit tool but the power hasn't shown yet. I mean, it's still very early and he's shown a little, he showed a little bit of power in the minors last year. Quan did. So obviously he grew into some power, but I think he's like five, nine, one seventy. So the frame isn't even something you can project in terms of growth. So the power might just be mediocre in general. I mean, that power won't translate directly to the pros as it is, I think, because you're seeing better pitching. And although he's a great hit, guy doesn't mean the hit tool will turn into a power so we'll see how that goes i'm seeing closer to like a 10 home run type of guy maybe 12 and hopefully he can he can kind of fall into 10 stolen bases because we again last year we saw a little bit of a power speed combination for Quan. um i think the on base and the hit tool are so legit though so the floor for production's there points leagues he's even better because he doesn't strike out <laughs> um he deserves that attention but rosario is batting fifth now so it changes his outlook from more of like a runs uh, projection to an RBI projection batting fifth in that lineup can be a good thing for him. Uh, Owen Miller, we I think I mentioned him in a couple articles. He started two straight at first base, one against the lefty, which I figured Bobby Bradley was platooning, but then the second day in a row against a righty so with Bobby Bradley out. Not sure he's Bradley's been benched or replaced yet, obviously, but it goes to show you that Bradley's playing time isn't as secure as maybe many might have thought. 
And in deeper formats where you might have drafted him late as a corner, I would be looking to replace him. I mean, he wasn't that special as it was. It was kind of a Hail Mary for power when you drafted Bradley. So if they're already messing with his playing time and I can't find anything, at least as of now, about an injury or anything or any reason why he's out. So that might be somebody you might want to replace or just or think about replacing. And the last one is Jazz Chisholm of the Marlins. The whole batting ninth thing did stick. Solaire is leading off. Cooper is batting second. Jesus Sanchez is sticking in the middle of the lineup. What I'm getting at is this is one of those lineups that have shown us from day one what they intended to do. And Chisholm and Chisholm's hitting, though. So it's not like Chisholm is struggling or anything at the plate. You know, the strikeouts are still kind of there, not as bad to start the year. But he is a volatile player, but he has the tools. Right now in the season, he's he's hitting 500, but it's just eight plate appearances. Uh, but there's a double in there, a home run in there, only 25% strikeout rate, walking double digits. So Chisholm's doing everything he needs to move up the order so far. But again, we're talking eight plate appearances. It takes one game going over four or three Ks to turn this stat line completely around, or one day of going three for four with two home runs to completely turn the stat line or into a more unrealistic out, uh, line or unrealistic uh, uh, line that he can't sustain all year. I'm, I'm stumbling over my words. I apologize. But yeah, so those are the ones I wanted to bring those up. Now, again, I've been doing additional velocity reports. So I've been tweeting about pitching more than usual, which I enjoyed tweeting about pitching because I don't, I didn't do it a lot last year and I didn't cover a lot of it this year leading up to the season. And, I, and I, it's just nice to get into a routine of doing this because it's going to keep me with my face, uh, with my head or my, uh, <laughs> eyes in on pitchers and hunter green utilized the three pitch mix yesterday against the braves and all three were 14 usage and when i look at a pitch mix i don't really consider a pitch a part of someone's arsenal it's like around 10 percent utilized because at that point i mean don't get me wrong hitters still have to think about the other pitches but they know that they're not going to see them much whereas at least 10 percent of the time it's more than just a maybe it'll be it's more than just a one-off thrown thing so um overall hunter green had a 34 percent whiff rate against the braves a very impressive braves lineup uh, 32% of that on the four seam or a 34, a 32% whiff rate alone on the four seam, which he throws, he threw 61% of the time. So if he could throw that fastball and it's not going straight down the middle, which was his issue, uh, green had issues with the fastball just coming in flat. So if he's getting deception on that fastball and able to create swing and misses with how much he depends on it, green should be able to succeed with a heavy fastball usage. And he topped hundred multiple times last start averaging 99.7 on that four seamer. So we know the four seamer can be effective as long as he's locating it right. And then he has a, he came with a slider as well that had a 45% whiff rate and a 39% swing uh, CSW. So the slider complemented the fastball well. And he, again, he has the three pitch mix. So those were just the two that he sat and he utilized the most, which again, it's very, it's very uh, intriguing to see what he has going on. And Bailey Ober was another one that I saw that was like solid, just kind of hitting his spots. Bailey Ober is a high four type of pitcher, but he's a guy that I noticed that he added a little bit of velocity to some of his pitches and he he offers the you know the pitch mix and there's just there's excited there's excitement about that you know at least there should be uh, a couple more pitchers real quick try and find my notes on them i apologize but um drew Rasm- rasmussen Rasmus- i should look that up Rasm- i think it's Rasm- drew rasmussen i have the i actually have a guy that was emailed to me i will utilize it moving forward for sure but drew rasmussen will we'll say uh, utilize the okay, it's funny because I've heard this name said a thousand times on a podcast, but then when you have to say it, it just doesn't come out right. But he utilized a new pitch yesterday, uh, or his last start, excuse me. It was a cutter, which he threw 23% of the time. And it's his third offering now, if this is any indication of how he plans to use the cutter. So Rasmussen, uh, he had a 43% 
whiff rate and a 40% CSW on the day. He did, oh, sorry, on the cutter, excuse me. He had a 43% whiff rate and a 40% CSW on the cutter. However, when the cutter was hit, it was hit hard. Like the average exit velocity, I believe, if I remember correctly, off the top of my head, was close to 100 miles per hour. So it wasn't hit often, but when it was hit, it got smacked. So we got to see how the effectiveness carries over for this cutter for Rasmussen. But all things considered, it is something intriguing, and it gives him a third pitch. And lastly, we should I, I, actually just two more. Carlos Rodon velocity was up, which I think can be concerning because obviously coming off injury, the fact that he's throwing harder suggests maybe there's a higher risk for re-injury. But the fact that he's throwing harder suggests he's healthy. So yes, there's there's give and take. He's healthy. There's no doubting that right now. How long can he stay healthy throwing even harder than last year? However, he he just crushed it. He looked amazing. 50% whiff rate. Again, even though it was against the Marlins, it's, it's absurd. A 42% CSW. The, the, again, like I said, two-mile-per-hour velocity jump for Rodon just needs to stay healthy. I know it's a big need. I have no shares, and I'm, I had FOMO coming in. I have serious FOMO now. Uh, Luis Severino, up the usage of his cutter, threw it 17% of the time now. He had he used I think he threw the cutter tw- literally twice last season in like the one appearance or whatever a couple appearances he made or whatever it was I forgot how it worked he, he made a brief appearance last year is all I'm, is what I'm getting at for Severino and he, he essentially hasn't thrown a cutter since 2016 and back then for Severino the cutter was only utilized 1.9 percent of the time so we saw the uh, usage of the cutter there we saw the velo on the four seamer sitting at 97.8 miles per hour f- for Severino. And 90%, 90.4, uh, 90.9 miles per hour on the changeup, both of which were up from his previous readings. So he's sitting 1.5, 1.7 miles per hour higher on the on the four seamer and 2.7 miles per hour higher on the changeup. You would like to see more of a differential on the changeup and fastball. However, if they tunnel well, then the speed, then the speeds won't be such a big deal. But typically you like a, a bigger differential in the fastball to change up. But Severino, either way, he's showing he's, his, he's healthy. He added the, the usage of the cutter and pretty much cut out the slider, which is weird because the slider has been one of his main pitches in terms of for strikeouts and all that. So we'll see how the change works out or if it maybe becomes more of a balanced four-pitch mix. Don't know yet. Maybe this all the cutter is was a reworked version of the slider, less torque on the arm. Who knows? He just found it. He found it. He utilized it, and it became uh, useful for him. So we'll see how that turns out for Severino. Just worth mentioning. So we touched on a bunch of lineups. We touched on some pitchers. This is going to be kind of the vibe, kind of the pods I do moving forward, at least when I'm solo. We should be coming back Wednesday with a, or Thursday because we'll record Wednesday with another podcast. It's going to be George and I. Uh, we'll talk about more of like some of the early happenings overall in the season and all that. So please don't forget to hit that five-star rating and review on your way out. I hope you enjoy these quick listens. Uh, obviously again, the Patreon, check us out. You could check us out all our work out there. We have a lot of stuff coming out daily. Uh, again, $3 a month to start. And that's, that tier gets you pretty much everything. Uh, and we also offer other tiers as well. So don't forget to check us out on patreon.com slash SK playbook. And lastly, I'm going to plug it again, skplaybook.com in general. You'll find work by me every day of the week, Monday through Friday, uh, a pretty much a lineup takeaway article, which is like similar to these pods, but in written form, Monday through Friday. So you'll get one of these pods a week, maybe two, and then you get that one article every day, Monday through Friday. So worth mentioning, worth checking out. You can subscribe to our newsletter, which is on that site as well, which I email these out three times a week anyway. So even though they're, they're done daily, I email that email, I email the newsletter out, which includes these articles three times a week if you're more of an email person. So yeah, that's going to do it. 
Um, sorry to ramble. There's just always so much going on. Um, I appreciate you guys listening. Don't forget, check me out on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin if you're still listening. And as always, we'll talk again soon. <laughs>